Everybody got a handout? Raise your hand. It should say the compound spirit. Everybody got one? Good. This is a continuation from last week. Anybody here tonight that wasn't here last week? Raise your hand if you didn't make last week. Okay, yeah, there's several. Um, what was the topic for last week? Anybody remember? Holy anointing oil. Oil. And can anybody give us just a quick review? Because this week builds on last week. Do you think anybody could give us a 30-second or one-minute synopsis of what the brothers shared last week? Of course, we can always ask Luis. Where is he? Right here. Right here. Okay. Well, how about somebody else? Just uh, what you, kind of the main points from last week. Anybody? Any brother? Austin's going to do it. Okay, Austin. Come on up. Try it. I don't know. Which one do I give him? This one? Can everyone hear me okay? All right. All right, so last week we talked about the holy anointing oil, right? So this was the oil that anointed all of the implements and the, all of the furniture, all of the implements of the tabernacle as well as the priesthood, right? That's right. So this oil was composed of five, five parts, which is actually two groups, right? So we have spices and olive oil. So these four groups then are grouped into three groups of 500 shekels each, right? And these spices are, okay, let's do this. Uh, flowing myrrh, 500 shekels. Fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels. Calamus, 250 shekels, and Kesha, 250 shekels, or so 500 shekels, right? And then a hen of olive oil, right? So we know the olive oil represents the spirit of, the, uh, the spirit of God, right? Then flowing myrrh represents the Christ's precious death, or is it his effectiveness? No, the, fra the fragrant sentiment is the effectiveness of his death. The Shooting calamus, which shoots forth out of a marshy place, right, is or a muddy place, is his resurrection life, the preciousness of his resurrection, and then cache is the effectiveness of his resurrection because it is a snake and insect repellent. So it keeps the satanic insects and the old serpent at bay. Very good. All right. Thank you. All right, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> so. You may be as lost as you were before he started speaking, <laughs> because what does uh, what do these spices mean? What are we in Old Testament talking about uh, oil and an ointment that uh, the priests who serve God used to put over the tabernacle, which was God's dwelling place, and anoint themselves. So. The type is very significant in the Bible, and actually not that many Christians have uh, explored the depths of this type. It's one of the most significant types, and it opens up vistas of revelation of what God wants and how God accomplishes it if you get into the details of it. So uh, you may already be 
wondering what is this old man going to talk about tonight, uh, spices and ointment. But stay tuned because we're going to be talking about God's purpose and how you enter into that and how he gains what he wants through man. Okay, so this is called the compound spirit. Compound, we're going to talk about the spirit, which is God. God is spirit, so that's clear, and we'll get more clear. And compound means what? What do we mean? What does the Bible say in Exodus 30? Let's read number one, the purpose of the compound spirit, and read the rest of it. Okay, and then the verse that we're using tonight, these two verses in Exodus, let's read these. Go. And you shall make it a holy anointing oil, a perfume compounded according to the perfume of your heart. It shall be a holy anointing oil, and with it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the And it keeps reading, if you keep reading Exodus, eventually, like Austin shared, all the utensils get anointed. So here's a physical dwelling place where God alone dwells before Christ was incarnate. So we're going back, um, this is around uh, 1450 BC for Christ. And uh, God desires in his heart a dwelling place. So if you back up even further than that, uh, the earth is about how many billion? 3.87, someone's told us in the college conference, something like that. And how, how about the universe? How old is the universe? 14 point something. So let's go back before that, when there was nothing but God, and in his heart, he did not want to be alone. He wanted to express his being uh, somehow. He's invisible, and he's the spirit, yet he didn't want to be alone. You like being alone? No. Austin, how about you? Do you like being alone? Nope. God was alone for eternity in the past. But inside his heart was a desire to have an expression, to manifest all the attributes, all his riches of his life, of his love. The Bible says God is love. The reason you have a desire, you have the emotion to love is because you have God's image and God's likeness. So he desired to manifest himself. So he made a plan, and the plan included bringing forth creation. So if you look on the second point, let's read the second point, go ahead. The elements of the compound spirit compound spirit is the aggregate of all the aspects of the Spirit of God. So these are titles of the Spirit in the Bible. 
I can give you all the references, but I didn't want to put all those down. And the first title is The Spirit of God. And that's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It said the Spirit of God was brooding. So uh, the Spirit of God created, God created, uh, and then something very tragic happened, this creation, which has man as the pinnacle of it, this creation fell away from God. So what he designed in his heart to express him, represent him, got lost. It was taken away after he had planned, uh, brought forth, had things uh, in motion, then Satan, God's enemy, came in to spoil that creation. And so when you pick up in Genesis, in this verse 1-2 in Genesis, he's brooding. The Spirit of God, it says the Spirit of God, this is the first mention, was brooding, it's like hovering, brooding over the deep, uh, wanting to recover, wanting to bring forth life. God is life. And out from God all life came. So when you consider all the creation on the way here, I was enjoying the trees, the birds. So all life issued from God. And man is the height of that creation. Yet there was a falling away. So when we pick up the Bible, in Genesis, it's the Spirit of God brooding over, wanting to bring forth life. Life. God is the living God. So you have him here, the Spirit of God, and the elements. On the left-hand side, you have all these titles. If you meticulously go through the New, Old and New Testament, you can find these titles. And then each of these titles represents an element of Christ. And that's what the right-hand side, it shows us what element that particular title of Christ includes. Just like we had the four spices, and you heard about death and those spices and resurrection. Well, this amplifies that a little bit and shows, uh, in a broader way, the elements that each of these titles of the Spirit contains. So, with the Spirit of God, Brooding over the waters, that was the element of the Spirit of God is God himself, divinity. So at that point, God was only divine. Only divine. And he was brooding forth over the waters to bring forth life. And back to the tabernacle here, the tabernacle was made of materials, but none of those materials had God's life. So the purpose of the ointment was to add God to that tabernacle, to everything in that tabernacle, and to the people that serve that tabernacle. So God is wanting to add himself he wants to get in. He wants to bring forth 
life. So he's brooding there, and the Spirit of God is related to creation. You can write creation out beside that if you like. The creation that he brought forth that does not contain his life. Yes, he brought it forth. He spoke it. It came out of him, but it's void of his life. There's no divinity in that creation. There's only divinity in God, and then there's different forms of life, including the human life, but no God. So you can see in the picture of the tabernacle, he wants to add himself to that creation. So the Spirit of God is a term the Bible uses to show the element of his divinity. And in the context here, he's brooding to bring forth life. And then you get to chapter 2, and you have another title, Spirit of Jehovah. And that's when he's bringing forth man. So that title refers to God's relationship to man. And we have some experiences of this. Did you realize that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life, came to you and brooded over you before you had the thought about receiving Jesus Christ. You couldn't see that spirit. Maybe you couldn't pick up much, but there was the spirit of life, Jasmine, brooding over you. You. He selected you to brood over to hover over because you were selected for his purpose. So before you, Trevor, what age were you when you received the Lord, Trevor? You remember? Mm, around 11 to 12. 11, 12. Like to be fourth grade? <coughs> Fifth grade? Fourth? Yeah. Somewhere in there. So did you know that before you said, Lord Jesus... I believe you, I receive you. The spirit was the spirit of life was already all over you, getting you prepared to receive. I don't know how it happened. You heard someone speak about Jesus. You were, I was in a, uh, a retreat out in, up in Possum Kingdom in Dallas area. And that word that was speak, being spoken to me, it had impact. And I received that word. I received the Lord, that day. Because the Spirit had been brooding in my circumstances and my situation to open up this fourth grader to receive this person that someone was telling me about that I couldn't see, I couldn't touch, I couldn't hear. And they were talking about him. And then if you receive him, He'll save you. I said, I'll take it. So the Spirit was causing me to receive. So we have these experiences. You had this experience. You may not realize that. And then, as the Spirit of Jehovah, He is that title because he wants to be related to you. He wants a personal relationship. God wants to be personally related to you. So he's known as the Spirit of Jehovah. 
because he wants to have a relationship with you. So when you said, I do, then that began his relationship with you. And the next title, okay, those are the only two titles in the Old Testament. That's about as far as it could go. You want a relationship with man that was kind of outward through the law. In the New Testament, the term, the first term in the New Testament is uh, number three. That's the Holy Spirit. And that the element in the Holy Spirit is God's or the holy divine nature. So that's what the element, I know Luis had an uh, example last week and he had a, some uh, water or something, he put ingredients in it. Okay, that's what we're talking about. These are elements in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, when he came to you, Trevor, and you said, I do, uh, you were like me, a little naughty boy, and not separate, but very common. That's why he's the Holy Spirit, is he needs to separate us from things that are common. And that's what the ointment does. It separates, the Spirit separates us. So in your experience, after you receive the Lord Jesus, the Spirit in you has been distinguishing, distincting. It's uh, dist uh, making you distinct, not common. For example, maybe you're hanging out with the guys or the girls and some cuss words are flying around and you want to be part of the group and you just want to... Very common, but you have trouble getting that word out of your... one of those cuss words out of your mouth. You know why you have trouble doing that? Because you have in you the Holy Spirit. Not common. That kind of thing is very common among people. Very common. But the Holy Spirit is distinct. So here's all the common ones. All the common ones. And what's your name? Aris. Huh? Aris. Aris. Come on. <laughs> he wants to make you distinct. All these are doing a certain common thing. But, and you are such, but now the Holy Spirit is in you, and you, when you go to participate, it's like, you had that experience? Yeah? yeah? Okay. How many have had that experience? Okay. That is the Holy Spirit in you that is, that's, that's God. That's the Spirit in you. Another common thing on the campus is, you know, some professors are not that well liked and they're maybe not that desirable. And so there's a lot of talk about maybe some professors and it's like it gets really kind of dirty uh, or not too sweet. And then it, you're saying, yeah, you want to be part of the guys? Yeah, yeah. And then there's a check in you. 
that person is an authority. That person is the teacher. That person is put there by God for a purpose. So you have some restriction, like, even sometimes, this happened to me on my job, after I got to school, I got a, a job and I was there in my office and so my supervisor, this, I was part of the legal uh, section, although I'm not an attorney, uh, so my the, the director was telling my supervisor, both attorneys, and they were at my, okay, so these are the people I answer to. I mean, there's people above them, but. So they're there one morning and my door's open and I'm staying there, we're greeting each other in the morning. And so the director, the head, head guy of this division, starts to tell a joke to the, my supervisor. He's a guy, she's a girl. And I, I didn't want that in me. I don't like to let things in me uh, because once they get in me, then they replay. And I don't like to deal with, I'd rather not, I'd rather not let it in because then it's just, uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to let it in. He doesn't want that dirty thing to come in and spoil this vessel that he's making distinct for his purpose. So I just... I just step back and close my office door. and left them right there at my office door telling that dirty joke. And I felt at peace, and that, those words never got into my ears. So I've never had to rethink that, replay that, try to get that out, because the Spirit was trying to dis make me distinct in this area, and Praise the Lord. So, that's the operation of the Spirit. Then you keep going. Now we're in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit, uh, you know, Christ at this point. What happens at this point? The Holy Spirit. Come on, Jared. Come on up here. So, before the Lord, before Mary conceived the Lord Jesus, God was strictly and only what? Divine. Okay. And the Bible says He became flesh. So in Mary's human womb, she conceived of the divine seed. And so this was a joining of divinity. This, wrap your brain around this one. 
divinity, God, the self-existing, self-ever-existing creator. God chose to mingle himself, join himself with human. So now this is him. This is he. So what is he? Huh? This is Jesus. So who's your dad? <laughs> huh? God. God's your dad. You're the son of God. You don't have a physical dad, a human dad. You want me to I'm talking to you, Jesus. Oh. Who's your dad? God. God. And your mom? <laughs> Mary. Mary. Yeah. Mary. So, God and man. God and man. This is God, not just the Son of God, but not God Himself, manifested in humanity. So he didn't do this just to uh, manifest himself, but he wanted to join himself, to mingle himself with the human race. So he did it. Right here. This is one. One of them. The first one. Okay, and this next point, four, is the spirit of... Let's all read that one together. Okay, so the spirit of reality is the reality of Christ. The Bible uses the term spirit of reality, spirit of reality, and so the spirit of reality makes Christ real to you. Okay, you can sit down. So Christ, the spirit of reality... Um, just earlier during dinner, Austin, this is Austin here, he was telling me that he's about to finish his 10th year at UT. Y'all can do it earlier, less time than that. But he has a PhD. And he says, I've been through enough things in life, you're probably 28 by now, 30, somewhere around there. 28, okay. So he's a little bit older than most of you. He says, I've been through enough things in human life to realize, and what did you tell me? That Christ is the reality. <laughs> Say louder. That Christ is the reality. Amen. That Christ is the reality. And some of us have had this experience to some extent, and we're, we're entering more into this revelation that Christ is a reality. So are your, your degree is in double E? Mechanical. mechanical. Is mechanical engineering, anybody mechanical here? Anybody engineering here? All right. Guess what is not reality? Engineering. <laughs> then he's uh, sure he's had a relationship before. That's not reality. Uh, what else? Money? Not reality. What's reality? Christ. What's reality? 
Christ. What's real? Christ. What is real? Christ. Christ is real. Spirit of reality. And you can see this in John 14, 15, and 16. It includes some of these promises that he would be indwelling. He would be comforting. Do you need comforting? There's a reality. There's a, there's a real comfort. It's not just a pat on the back, but there's a real comforter and a guide to guide. You need some, make some decisions on your life, in your life, about which direction to go, uh, which, um, where should you live, who should you live with, what courses should you take, what professors should you choose, what does the Lord want? You need some guidance? There's a spirit of reality that can guide you according to his purpose. And on declaring, testifying. Then you go on to number five. Let's read it. Spirit of Jesus. So this is related to his, uh, the elements which are included here. Go ahead and read it. Humanity. Human living. Okay, so the elements of humanity, the elements of human living, the elements of crucifixion, which was a suffering, are in the spirit. Christ's suffering, Christ's humanity, that person's humanity, that person's human living, that person's suffering of crucifixion, which resulted in death, are in the spirit. His life, his human living, his death are in the spirit. And uh, I know in a lot of your cases, you're not that old, but you've been around long enough to have some suffering. And you can pass through those sufferings with the Spirit and experience the Lord in that suffering. Just like the Lord experienced the Father's life in His suffering, we experience the Lord's life in that suffering, in that hardship, in that misunderstanding, in that uh, strife, whatever. There is Spirit of a human Jesus, the humanity of Jesus. And then you go on to the spirit of Christ, which is emphasizing his resurrection. So there is the resurrected Christ in the spirit. Now our Gospel of John shirt has an eagle on it, which represents God's life, the resurrection life. So it doesn't matter how great the obstacle is. It doesn't matter how Severe, how great that obstacle, how great the suffering, guess what? The life of God, the resurrected life of Christ, breaks through. It can't be any more severe than what he's passed through. There is no obstacle that he cannot overcome. It does not exist. 
There's nothing in the way for him to break through. In fact, that, those circumstances allow that life to come forth. Your suffering circumstances, the death situations, you're dying to that natural life, that common life, like in the early example, I didn't want to hear the joke, um, didn't want to say a cuss word. You're letting the Lord Spirit operate in you and not go there releases his life in you. So you experience a life <clears throat> that overcomes. It's like putting a seed in the ground, you know, it's buried, dirt's piled on it. How can it ever make it? It's buried under earth. But there's a life power, a resurrection life in that seed. So it breaks through all the suffering. The circumstances just cause it to grow. So if you see this, if you see that the spirit, the resurrected life is in the spirit, you receive the spirit and enjoy the spirit, then it has the power to break through every circumstance. There is not, there's no circumstance too great. Very encouraging, so I've got to keep moving here. I'm about out of time. So spirit of Jesus Christ, combination. Uh, I'll just let you finish the rest of it. Divine life. Uh, Life-giving spirit. Let's all read that one real quick. <clears throat> the life-giving spirit for impartation of the divine life. Okay, you have the ascension and lordship as the Lord's spirit. You have the grace as the divine riches for our enjoyment. Seven spirits as the intensification for God's move. And then the spirit is the all-inclusive compound. So the Spirit, the Bible ends with the Spirit, and we have that verse, we sang it this, this evening, Revelation 22, 17, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. So the goal of the compound spirit, let's read that and we'll stop. The goal of the compound spirit, the church, God's dwelling place, becomes one with the Spirit, who is the ultimate consummation of the triune God. So the goal of this anointing is to cause us, the fallen sinners who are now sanctified, to become one with the consummated. The Spirit is the consummation of the process trying God. That's the, that's the extract right there, the Spirit. That's the, like the juice of the grape. And the goal is that we, the church, God's only place, would become one with that so that the Spirit and the bride which is produced through the Spirit's anointing, eventually a bride comes forth, and they together say, come Lord Jesus. They also are speaking to those who are thirsty, to sinners, to the thirsty ones, come and drink. He who, let him who is thirsty come, let him who wills take the water of life freely. So there's a sounding out of this free life, this free water. That's what we're gonna do this summer. When the freshmen come, a lot of you in the internship, we're going to be here declaring, come take the water of life freely. Come drink the Spirit. Come enjoy this one. Come on in. Come enjoy this Spirit. There's a crying out. When the church is fully mature and the bride has made herself ready, there's a crying out for whosoever would drink and drink, drink, drink the Spirit. Okay, that's good enough. Probably too much. How about you take a few minutes, seven or eight minutes in your group? So group up. 
around uh, those with you. And the back side is a little bit of reading. And if we have time, you can share something, what you enjoy from your group.